0: This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. On New York Red Bulls radio at TuneIn, BackHeel.com, iTunes and Stitcher. Here are your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Eric Giacometti.
1: The preseason rolls on. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Eric Giacometti with you back as the hot stove continues to heat up. The New York Red Bulls signing a very, very key member of a makeshift back line. Gideon Ba, Ghanaian, 24 years old, joins the team today on Tuesday. We'll talk about what Ba will bring to the back line, the Red Bulls. We will take a look at some of the preseason performances that New York has rolled off during their 12-day Florida adventure. Um, We'll preview the matches to come. We'll talk a little bit about Louis Robles returning from the U.S. men's national team and possibly a new formation that may be beneficial in, uh, at times for Jesse Marsh's squad when things uh, don't necessarily go as planned. Our interview tonight is with defender of the Red Bulls, Chris Duval, who is in the process of coming all the way back from a uh, pretty gruesome leg break last summer. We will talk to him about how he is getting along during training camp. And then we'll get your emails because that's that's how we do now. Eric, you've had a very very busy day, given that uh, Gideon Ba was announced late late in the day.
0: Yeah, definitely. I uh, just only got home from the training facility uh, about an hour and a half ago, so it's been it's been a long day, but it's been good. Uh, like you said, Gideon uh, showed up at training today, uh, got introduced to the team at his new teammates, and uh, I got to have a sit down with him a nice little Q and A session. So ov- overall, it's uh, it's been a good day so far.
1: Well, I want to hear what you have to say about him, but let's give our listeners a little bit of the stats first. Again, as I said, 24 years old, uh Ghanaian, Ghanaian. I always say it wrong. Can you can you help me here? Ghanaian. Ghanaian. Thank you. Go. Yes. Uh, Six feet tall, 183 pounds, transferring from HJK, which is one of the larger clubs in Finland. 70 caps in the Finnish League with two teams, four goals. In 2014, HJK had a great season and won the Finnish League and the Finnish Cup and the Finnish League Cup. Um, Ba has a single national team cap for Ghana last fall, and he played in that match against Canada at RFK with lloyd sam um he, he had a really interesting experience though as a young player uh eric and i'm hoping you can share that with our listeners in terms of really being a massive contest winner
0: yeah so basically uh back in 2007 he was part of a, a reality tv show in ghana uh I, he the way he explained it was it's kind of almost like a big brother that we have here and uh over 32,000 players from across Ghana uh, came into the show. And, uh, you know, it was just a footballing contest to see, you know, they'd get voted on uh, by, the, by the fans across the, the nation and some coaches. Uh, they'd help select who moves on, you know, day by day or week by week, however it was done. And by the end, he was the last one standing. And uh, I believe the compensation was a trip to the 2010 World Cup and then a two week trial with Chelsea, which is a pretty once in a lifetime opportunity.
1: Yeah, really fantastic, and great for the young player. Um, He's left-footed, which I think adds a a nice dimension. Obviously, he will be positioned as the center back, but he he can play left back. Uh, Jesse quoted on Boss saying he's got very good feet, a smart soccer player. He's excited to be here. He's been very sought after at experience at left back and at center back, but we will play him as a center back. He's a natural left-footer, and it's going to take some time to have him adjust into how we play. We have a month to integrate him into the team and into the tactics, and I'm very certain that he'll be a good fit and a good player here. So I I think the question we have to ask is, is a player like Ba the answer for um, trying to replace Matt Miazga, who has left the team and is now with Chelsea? Is he going to fit in with the rest of his teammates? And... um, yeah you know, what kind of an impact can he have
0: well of course that that remains to be seen in terms of how he'll gel and how he'll take to the you know the Red Bull system uh in, in terms of replacing Miozga, it's certainly not a like for like switch in any way uh you know He's not exactly a, a towering body like Miazga, a guy that, you know, will win the aerial challenges, but uh, from what little I've seen on, you know, sort of some random YouTube clips and things like that, he's very uh, technical for a defender. He's not afraid to uh, to dribble out of a tricky situation. As he said, he's a left-footed defender, so that helps to have a natural left footer on the left side of the defense. Uh, so, you know, we, we haven't really seen too much of him yet, uh, you know, he hasn't trained with the team yet. His first day uh, in New Jersey with the training, uh, at the training facility was today, so I believe tomorrow will be his first training session. So once he gets uh, acclimated, it'll, it'll be uh, interesting to see just how well he does in the center of that defense.
1: Yeah, really fantastic. Of course, uh, MLS does not go ahead and announce the kind of size of a transfer fee that they went out and paid to get a player like Ba, or really any player for that matter. But you have to think that some of the allocation money that came with Miazga's transfer went in to go out and uh, and secure Ba. So that is the help. I don't know if there's any other help coming. We We did get some word from... Uh, from jesse marsh that ronald zubar may be back and training by the end of the week so right now the red bulls are in hanover for the week is that right there yeah that's right and then the team and you with them go back to florida for another uh, 12 days correct
0: yep that's right we're leaving on uh, well the team is leaving monday morning i'm going to get down there monday night but we'll be there for two weeks until the 28th and then first kick will be right around the corner
1: it's 26 days away, which is unbelievable. Talk to a little, talk to us a little bit, uh, Eric, about how training is going this week. Obviously, it's significantly colder than it was for you guys and for the club as it was in Central Florida. And so, what's happening this week that wasn't happening over the last week?
0: Well, uh, I actually asked Jesse exactly this, uh, you know, this this morning at training, and you know, they're still doing a little bit of the same things in terms of uh, you know their warmups and their pre- Preparation, but there's much more attention uh, to their fitness. It's been a lot of a lot of running after practice. You know, they, they'll go through a full training session and then just be running laps for the next 20 minutes, which doesn't look like a whole lot of fun. But at least I can just watch from the sidelines. Uh, but I, I spoke to Marsh about it today, and he said that it's it's about extending their tank and trying to get them as fit as possible so that you know, come game time. That, with what is a very demanding system, they'll be able to be you know, running the hardest and the longest and you know, maintain that level of play for the whole 90 minutes and, of course, for the 34 games and the U.S. Open Cup and the Champions League. There's just a lot of competitions. It's going to require a lot of fitness, so they're trying to front-load that now, get them ready for the season, and hopefully it'll last throughout the season.
1: Of course, the Red Bulls, since we last spoke to you, had uh, four preseason games. They've done very well in all of them, including a an unorthodox uh, three-by-45-minute half matchup against the Montreal Impact, who the team completely rolled, outscored them 5 nothing. We had uh, the win over University of South Florida, 3-1. We had the 5-2 win over Tony Miola's Jacksonville Armada. There was a one nothing loss to Monte Verde Academy, which I guess is a local uh, soccer academy. But all in all, through the first... Uh, phase of the preseason a tremendous amount of success out of the team.
0: Yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with the way that uh, they came together so quickly. I mean, obviously, it helps for the veteran core to have that year of experience under their belts and, you know, to know the system uh, as opposed to last year when, you know, not only are they integrating new players, but they're trying to figure out this new philosophy on the fly. Uh, with this, the veteran core being able to lead the way and help the younger guys, uh, it, it's definitely paying dividends. Uh, you saw... You know, For those that watch the live stream against Montreal, it was a little bit of a rocky start, but after that, it was just kind of a shellacking. I mean, it, it was Montreal's first game of the preseason, whereas the Red Bulls had several under their belt, but uh, they ran away with it there, and I, I particularly was impressed with uh, the third unit, which you know, the fans couldn't see on the live stream, but uh, that was mostly the homegrowns and, uh, and the rookies, and especially after losing to Montverde, which was a, a local uh, high school team from mm-hmm. the area, they responded really well after Jesse, you know, kind of laid into them after that loss. Uh, They really showed well, scored two goals in the final stanza, and uh, overall a very good performance.
1: Brandon Allen has picked up a couple of goals early this preseason. What have you seen uh, out of the former Georgetown man?
0: Yeah, he's, he's been pretty impressive. Uh, like I said, it, it's been a, a definitely a, a tough acclimation process for all of the the rookies and homegrowns, uh, but Brandon's been really good at, at picking his spots and uh, finding ways to get in and around the box, and uh, his finish against Montreal, I'm not sure if anyone has seen it. It's, we have it up on our YouTube page. It's, it's a great strike. I mean, it just shows why he was uh, such a talented striker at Georgetown, and uh, if he can keep getting on the end of plays like that and then making magic I'm sure he'll find his way uh, into the A team more often than not.
1: Of course for all of the um, notion that this team is going to be suffering in the back I mean yes they've given up four goals in four games but when you uh, also score what 14 uh, in four games it uh, or 13 in four games it certainly gives the impression that that this team even without a, a player like Gideon Bies doing something right in the back.
0: Yeah, they've they've really worked on their defensive shape and organization. Uh, you know, we, we've, there's been a lot of shuffling in and out. I mean, Carl we met hasn't even been around. He's been with the Canadian national team. Right. I mean, obviously Luis was away with uh, with the U.S. national team, uh, but even still, some of the younger guys have uh, really stepped up. I've actually been really impressed with uh, the super draft pick from Michigan State, Zach Carroll. He's come in and, and done a tremendous job. It's a, a pretty demanding uh, position in terms of uh, what Marsh is asking for his center backs. Uh, you know, you hear him a lot saying, you know, push up to the midfield line for the when they're pressing, and <laughs> a lot of the posi- Positional stuff might take a little bit of time, but his defensive instincts are very good. He's a pretty good distributor out of the back, so looks like the Red Bulls uh, picked a good one with this in the second round.
1: Okay. Now, uh, of course, there are a couple of matches to come. Um, New York will leave, uh, like Eric said, on Monday, uh, the 17th against Orlando, the 24th against Tampa Bay, which is part of uh, the Tampa... No, I'm They're playing the Tampa Bay... Oh, no, they're playing Philadelphia, excuse me, as part of the Tampa Bay Invitational. Uh, and then one more matchup against the Jacksonville Armada. And then it's a week to first kick, which is really, really crazy. So uh, we did have some trialless leave. Obviously, uh, Ba came in. But one of the things that we'd heard Jesse say and some of the players that you've been interviewing down there, and we'll certainly ask Chris, is the, the notion that the team is ahead of where they were last year at this time. Could you talk a little bit about what that means and how that plays out on the field for the team?
0: Yeah, I, I touched on this a little bit in terms of just having having that year under their belts of of not having to to start fresh and and learn you know what is the high press what is Jesse going to be asking for us you know guys like Sasha and Dax and Lloyd and Brad and and you know all the the whole veteran qu- Core of this team from 2015 that won the Shield, it's not new to them. They can just hit the ground running and and just work on tweaking things here and there and getting back to full fitness. Whereas last year it was an entirely new process and everyone's trying to you know learn each other, learn the coaching staff, learn the tactics. You know, so there's a whole another element to it last year where as opposed to this season, it's already you know it's already learned. So it's just a matter of getting back up to speed, getting the match fit so that when March 6 comes they can be at 100 percent.
1: And is the fitness that much of an issue right now, based on what you've seen? I mean, obviously, you have to work up to it, and obviously, you're not necessarily 90 minutes ready. And I don't think a lot of these players, up until this point, have had 90-minute experiences. And perhaps th- that'll occur in the matches that we'll see down at the... at the. Uh, Back down in Florida, where you 're going to see starters actually getting ninety minutes or seventy or really kind of pushing their fitness, but is it evident that the team doesn 't have their legs yet
0: i mean it 's definitely they 're not at hundred percent yet I mean just from watching the friendlies uh, you can tell uh, you know Jesse got on them for you know, pretty hard for you know, in one of the matches that you know they, they weren 't getting up to hundred percent, and you know they admitted that they had some heavy legs and it, it was evident in those games, but uh, as a whole, I think they're they 're pretty fit. They were a very fit side last year, so like I said, it's just a matter of getting back up to speed. I, I don't think it will be an issue. I think uh, the coaching staff is pretty committed to making sure that uh, they'll have their lungs for the whole season, so uh, when, when March six comes around, I'm pretty confident that they'll, uh, they'll be ready to go. Sure.
1: Now, one familiar face, and you had mentioned it earlier, Eric, that's back in the fold with the Red Bulls is Luis Robles, and I'm kind of curious as to what uh, Luis has brought back with him from his experience with the US. Obviously, uh, he did concede two goals in his one start, his first appearance with the national team in uh, seven years. And so I'm just kind of curious if he felt good about his performance, if he was happy to be back, and what he, uh, what he would take away.
0: Yeah, he was, he was pretty happy to be back. I mean, obviously wearing your nation's colors on the international stage is, is a huge honor for any player. Uh, but I specifically asked if he felt maybe validated or, you know, if he was overlooked in the past. And he he basically said not, not at all. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of, of going in and, and working hard every day for your club team. I mean, if if the byproduct of that is getting called into the national team, then of course he'll accept the call. Uh, but he just, he harked back to the last two years where they, they fell just short of the MLS Cup final and uh, he said, that's what drives me every day. And uh, coming back here to this camp, it really, you know, kind of renewed his focus. So I think that's, that's the main takeaway is that, yes, it was nice to go away with the national team, uh, but he's right back into, into the groove of things with the Red Bulls.
1: I heard that Jesse offered him a day off, and Robles said, "No, thank you. I'm coming into camp." <laughs> yeah, that's
0: uh, in typical Luis fashion. I mean, he's a, he's a true leader. He he could have had the day off, especially on a on a heavy fitness day. It would have been easier to just sit on the sidelines and maybe take a recuperation day, especially for uh, you know those national teamers that really had a, a very small off-season window where you know season ends and then they get called into January camp. So. Uh, for him to you know, get right back on the field says a lot about who he is as a player and, and his character as a person.
1: I thought his performance against Iceland was okay. I mean, he obviously could not have been faulted on the, on the first goal that was a deflection. I, I think he certainly could have done a little bit better, although his back line didn't really help him that much uh, in the second goal against Iceland. He did make one quality save where the ball was shot right at him. Um, did you guys talk, I'm, A, I'm curious about your thoughts on his performance, and B, did you guys talk about his on-field performance?
0: Uh, I mean, me personally, I, I kind of had the same um, analysis as you, where I, I don't think he could have done anything on the first goal, but maybe he was hugging his, his near post a little bit too tightly on the second goal, but you know, there was kind of a jailbreak there in the defense. So at the end of the day, getting 90 minutes in a win, I guess, is an, a nice feather in your cap and your return for whatever it was, six years away from the national team. Uh, in, in terms of the actual performance, we, we really didn't touch on it too much. It didn't seem like Luis was really uh, too yeah. interested in, in talking about the performance <laughs> itself. I think he, was, he just seemed really focused on being back with the team and uh, ready to help contribute.
1: All right. Well, I know the, the the other players were certainly glad to have him back, and uh, I'm, I know Red Bull fans were definitely proud of him uh, wearing the, the uh, Stars and Stripes. One thing uh, that certainly came up um, over the course of the first phase of preseason was the notion that Jesse was trying to build an additional wrinkle into his formation. And there's been a bit written about the instead of the 4231 a 4222 two, two formation that Jesse wants to employ almost as a as a plan b and we saw a number of times during the season last season you can argue that Columbus certainly did it to the red bulls in the eastern conference finals is When teams are completely bunkering against them and trying to hit them on the counter, it's very, very difficult for New York, or it was in 2015, for them to fight their way through that. They literally could not do it, whether it was in the Open Cup against Philadelphia, whether, uh, you know, whether it was against uh, Columbus in the last game at Red Bull Arena. They, they, they found it very, very challenging. So I'm curious, um, who changes in this formation and how much time did they spend on this versus kind of their regular traditional setup?
0: Yeah, well, it's something they've been kind of tinkering with throughout the preseason. They've, they've played it... Uh, in each of their games so far in the preseason, so something they're looking to try out. As you said, it's it's a new wrinkle to their. Uh you know, to their tactics. I don't think it's going to be, uh, the, you know, the commonplace formation. I still think they'll roll out the four, two, three, one, uh, the majority of the time. But like you said, it's, it's going to be a plan B, which I, you know, I think me and a lot of other people coming to the team last year, were kind of wondering if there was a plan B because especially in that Columbus series, it was really highlighted when they went down early and Columbus was able to just say, you know, what we're going to hold what we have. And there's not really too much you can do about it. And they didn't have uh, something to fall back on in terms of trying to break them down. So. Uh, I think this new formation adds a second forward. Maybe can create a little more havoc. Uh, Gonzalo Verón seems to be the guy that'll you know get into the game uh, in this kind of scenario, playing up top alongside Bradley Wright Brad Phillips, and uh, with his pace, I think it's it adds a different dimension because maybe Bradley can drop a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, get the get the defenders off their back line, and then Gonzalo can kind of you know find the gaps there, and because he's a very PC player, very tricky player, so that could definitely work to their advantage. And uh, it's it's it works already in preseason. So if they have a little more time to you know get a real grasp on it, I think it could be something they could lean on uh, in the next season.
1: So is that kind of the bucket midfield that we were accustomed to seeing back in the twenty thirteen early twenty fourteen Red Bulls, where they would basically play without a central defender, or is Sasha still kind of at the point of the midfield triangle and they just go without a traditional left wing?
0: Well, it, it's pretty fluid. I, I, it's it's kind of hard to say exactly you know where their 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 base formations are, are kind of almost. Not really in a straight line, but you know, Felipe and and, and Dax would still be the holding midfielders, uh, but. The the two wide midfielders aren't exactly wingers. They're more you know they, they tend to pinch in a little bit more. And then the two strikers are just you know they have both have to have very high work rates because it demands a lot of them. Uh, so it's it's uh, a bit of a fluid formation. Uh, I think it can morph into a four two three one at times. Uh, but in terms of the the two strikers up top, I think that's kind of the key to that that whole formation is to just keep the pressure on the on the back four and uh, try to create havoc when teams are bunkering in.
1: And you said, and we talked about it during our last show two weeks ago, that Verone is a completely not necessarily saying a different guy, but he is very, very engaged and he is performing extremely well early this preseason. Would you agree? Yeah,
0: he's he's been my standout over the course of preseason so far. I mean, we we really didn't get too much of a look at him as tends to be the case uh, when you have these, these DP signings coming in midseason. Sure. Uh, it wasn't really given a, a true run of games to, you know, to find his form with the Red Bulls but now that he's in his first preseason camp, I think you're, you're going to see a different Gonzalo Verón in 2016 I think uh, getting him some regular minutes, getting him some playing time up top will we'll definitely pay dividends we've seen it already in the preseason I mean, defenders are, are just grabbing at straws trying to, to you know, keep hold of him so uh, if, if they can keep him healthy and get him in the starting 11 I think he'll be a huge, huge piece for this Red Bulls attack
1: Now, goal of the preseason so far, you had mentioned Brandon Allen. For me, it's Bradley popping the ball up to himself. And then finishing, and we've seen him do that before. We haven't talked a lot about Bradley, and of course we have a very high expectation about his propensity to finish. Um, share with us a little bit about what you've seen from uh, the 2014 Golden Boot.
0: Yeah, I think we, we don't talk about Bradley so much. It's just because this is what he does. I think we're just used to it. I mean, it's kind of just a whole hum another day. Bradley scores another brace. I mean, that, that goal that you, that you mentioned against Montreal was uh, very, very akin to the, the goal he scored in the home opener last year where he takes a touch, pops it over the defender, and then just hit the cracking left foot volley uh, across the face of goal. Uh, he's just been he's been scoring for fun in the preseason. He whether it's you know taking guys off the dribble or he's you know getting on the end of a cross, he just finds the right spot at the right time. He's pretty damn dependable within the within the eighteen yard box. So if they can keep him healthy like they did last year, I, I expect another big year from Brad. Uh, can't, I can't see it going any other way. Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, Before we go to break and we bring on Chris Duvall, uh, really important to note, uh, if you're listening to this on uh, when our show drops, which would be Wednesday the 10th, will be Town Hall 3. The uh, town hall I don't know. But nevertheless, for the third time and the first time in 2016, the Red Bulls uh, are hosting a town hall for season ticket holders. 200 of them, including yours truly, will be in attendance at the event. Um, we're certainly not anticipating... The kind of vitriol that we had in the uh, town hall, the original, back in January of 2015. Uh, I'm, I would imagine there'll be a lot of questions about uh, Gideon Ba, about trying to fill the back line. Um, the Red Bulls are going to be streaming. The Town Hall Live, if you go to NewYorkRedBulls.com slash live, you can watch a live video stream of the event. And if you are on Twitter and want to use the hashtag RBNYTownHall, I know that uh, the panelists, which I believe will include the same as the first uh, one, which would be uh, Ali Curtis, Jesse Marsh, Marty Grandpre, and Luis Robles will be taking part as well. But if you want to use the hashtag RBNY town Hall, you can ask questions, and I'm sure that they will be asked to the panel. I think this will probably be a little bit happier. Perhaps we'll hear a Why did you sell Matt Miaska at, uh, at the Red Bull leadership? We'll have to see. Maybe if you're listening now and you want to make a splash, that'll be you. But um, should be a lot of interesting questions. And uh, once again, uh, Mark de Grand MLS Executive of the Year um, get, deserves a lot of credit for putting himself out there in front of the season ticket holders to do that. I assure you that there are lots of fan bases across MLS that would love to have the opportunity to engage their, uh, their club's leadership in such an intimate setting. So if you can make it, great. We'll see you there. If not, uh, please uh, check the web, uh, watch your Twitter, and join in, and it should be a fantastic event. When we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to a defender for the New York Red Bulls, and that's Chris Duval. We're going to step away and we'll be right back, folks. You're listening to Seeing Red. We're back at Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Eric Giacometti, hot stove, preseason time. The Red Bulls have traded the sun and fun in Central Florida with a what will be a frigid week back. At training at Hanover at the training facility. Uh, new team members being signed today, and we are very, very happy to be joined by one of your favorites, and that's right back, Chris Duvall. How are you tonight, Chris?
2: I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here with you guys.
1: Well, we're, we're really, really glad that you can join us. You mentioned, um, in previous, uh, appearances and you've mentioned, uh, on the club's website that being on the field is where you, uh, feel joy. And can you explain yeah. that a little bit and explain what the last few months have been like as you continue to push towards full fitness and, uh, regaining your starting role? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, uh, it was definitely a tough, a tough few months. You know, we're, we're very driven people, all of us on this team. And, you know, we, you know, I've set personal goals for myself and to, to have my season cut short, uh, you know, kind of abruptly was, was pretty heartbreaking, you know, and I had to kind of push my goals back a while and, and postpone those and maybe set goals towards my recovery. But, uh, you know, now that I'm on the tail end of that, it feels really good. It feels really good to be back to to what I'm used to and, and to set real goals again.
0: Uh, Chris, when we were down in Florida, you told me the story of, of when Jesse came to visit you in the hospital, I guess, immediately after your surgery. Uh, can you just fill our listeners in on, on just what went down there and maybe the, the surprise you found uh, from that conversation?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, kind of hoping for the best when I went to the hospital. The game was still going on and and when I found out that, uh, I had a fractured tibia, I, I knew that it would be a pretty long road to recovery. And, uh, and after the game, Jesse met me in the hospital with a few guys on the team. And, and, you know, he was kind of telling me about some of the injuries that he went through in his career and, and, and gave me the warning that it would be one of the, one of the hardest things that I go through as a player. And, and, uh, you know, at the time I kind of looked at it and was like, you know what? It'll be fine. You know, I'm a pretty upbeat guy and I'm, I'm driven. I'll be back before they even, you know before the season's over and even before the diagnosis but uh you know that that wasn't really the case, and you know it was it was definitely a mental and physical battle for me but uh you know I'm definitely stronger from it and, and I'm very grateful to have, to have had the the staff and the community that I have around me.
1: Chris, Jesse said that the team is ahead of where you were last year at this point in preseason. Would you agree? And what's been easier? Obviously, you have a unique challenge coming back to fitness after an injury, but what's been easier this preseason and maybe what's what's been more challenging and different?
2: Yeah, I guess I guess it's been easier because we're skipping a step. You know, last year we came in with a with a new staff and some new players and we weren't really sure what to expect. We had to get to, get to know each other a little bit and get to, you know, a full grasp of Jesse's, Jesse's system of play and what he wanted from us. But this year we come in, we know exactly what's expected from us in each position and we understand the system of play, we understand the press and, and now it's more about, you know, getting back, getting our legs back, getting our fitness back and, and kind of adding a few tweaks to our system that, that can help us going forward.
0: Now, looking uh, at the preseason so far, you guys have been pretty successful in these uh, friendlies that you've taken place uh, in Florida. Uh, on the defensive side, especially the first team, you guys have been uh, pretty solid. I think only given up two or three goals. Uh, do you think it's fair to look at those uh, results and as an indicator of maybe future success for the 2016 season, or or do you maybe take those with a grain of salt? You know, I honestly
2: think that uh, it's it's been good to get results you know, from everyone that's been playing. There have been trialists, where, you know, everyone has participated. So I think it's a good indication of the depth that we have in our team and, and how far we're coming along uh, with, with some of the younger guys. But, you know, it's it's hard to tell in, in preseason games because we're all still tampering with things, both teams, us and, and our opponents. So, um, you know, I think we should take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, we should also know that more is coming, you know, just as their other teams are... Are tinkering with their lineups and everything. We still got a lot of work to do too. So, um, you know, I think I think it's coming along well. But uh, you know, a five a five zero score line against Montreal is, <laughs> in preseason may not be an indicator as to as to where we are yet.
1: Especially with a, a key piece of their lineup not not taking part. Um, Chris obviously news around the training center today and across the fan base with the signing of. Uh, your newest teammate, Gideon Bach. Can you share with us maybe what you know about him, what you've heard of him? You got to meet him today, kind of your first impressions of your new teammate.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Jesse brought him in and, and introduced us all to him today, so we all got to meet him. But uh, unfortunately, I haven't really had much of a conversation with him yet, but you know, I've heard great things. Uh, Lloyd played with him with the Ghanaian national team, so... I mean, I think we're all excited to have him in and, and excited to, to bring him along with us because we've got a, a special group with us. And so anyone that, that can come into it, we, we, we welcome him with open arms.
0: Chris, you're now in your third season, so I mean, almost like a, a veteran as you've come along here uh, now in 2016. When, when you look at some of these young, homegrown kids and, and some of these draft picks, do any of them stand out to you so far in the way they've performed throughout preseason?
2: Yeah. To be honest, they've all, they've all come along great. Um, you know, whether it's guys like, you know, Tyler Adams, who who I've seen before, you know, he, he trained with us before and Derek Etienne has trained with us before or guys like, uh, Myel Corbos and Sky Thompson, Chris Borshan, those guys, they've, they've all picked up the system so quickly. And and that includes the, the rookies that we drafted. Um, you know, so I think we've all been really pleased with all the young guys and, you know they've got open ears and they're willing to learn, and that's really all we we would hope for from those guys. And then you also get to see the the flashes of brilliance from them, and, and the reason why they were signed here. So I think uh, I think it's been fun to kind of be on the other side of things and, and be an older <laughs> guy looking looking at the younger guys. But uh you know it's it's really fun to see these kids come in and, and learn the system and and grow because they've already progressed a lot in in the last uh, couple weeks.
1: Chris, have you been involved in helping to make these young guys better? I mean, are, are you giving them pointers? And I know they're not all strangers to you, but um, as uh, you know, as Eric said, you are a veteran face on this team in season three. Um, I'm just kind of curious if if they've been looking for you for pointers, if you've been offering them, and how that's working.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like to look at myself as kind of like uh, one of the one of the older of the young guys,
1: so maybe they could,
2: re- maybe they could relate to me a little bit, but, you know, a lot of it for me, this preseason has been just kind of focusing on, on getting myself back to where I need to be and getting my brain working the way it needs to go and my body to follow. And, um, you know, whenever I see something that, that I can help with, of course I'll, I'll reach out to them because they're, you know, it's a very welcoming place and we love to help the everyone grow around us. But, uh, you know it's it's kind of been fun to to meet the kids and you know to to help in any way i can because i mean i know that i've learned some things in the last few years that that they could benefit from
0: now, now, after going down last season, obviously, guys like Connor Lade and, and Sal Zizzo uh, filled in for you there and, and right back and, and did a pretty admirable job. And obviously, you guys are all teammates and you're all fighting for the same common goal. But uh, what's the dynamic like in terms of fighting for a starting spot and maybe the kind of, you know, competition to get in the starting 11 week in and week out?
2: Yeah, I mean, even, even before my injury and, and even after my injury last season, we, you know, between me, Sal, Connor, we all have a great relationship. Um, I know that even when I was playing, you know, Connor would be the one that I would go to maybe at halftime and, and ask him what he sees in the game and maybe what he thinks I could change and, and vice versa when he's playing. So I think it's a great relationship that all of us have because, you know, we're all willing to help each other and, and learn and grow. And we know that we we play different ways so we can bring different aspects of the game and, and, you know, different insights. So, um, we're all kind of trying to learn from each other and, and push each other, but I think that's what you need in a team. You need, you know, three guys in one position that can play in a different way that can that can help push each other. So I think it's it's uh it's coming along well so far. I think uh I think we're all gonna get better from this.
1: Hopefully. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, we're just kind of curious how you personally define success for this year. As Eric said, is it getting back to a regular starting role? Is it getting key minutes in Open Cup or CCL? Um, what do you personally have as your signposts that you'll know that uh, that you had a successful 2016?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think first things first is that you know I, along with the rest of the team, we want to win trophies. You know, it's great to go out there and win games and have a good community and, and to like each other, but we're here to win trophies. So I think that, first and foremost, is going to be the signification of a of a good season. So, um, you know, I have my own personal goals to get back on the field, but in the end, it's all about, you know, this team going out there and, and bringing home some hardware.
1: Chris Duvall wears number 25 for the New York Red Bulls. Chris, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the way down in Florida, and we know we will see you uh, on the field uh, starting this March for the Red Bulls. So best of luck.
2: Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure.
1: Always a pleasure, Chris. We're back with your emails after this short break. It's Red at backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup. Back for segment three. That's your emails, seeingredny at gmail.com. Did you know that you can also call us anytime, day or night, our automated uh, operator is standing by 973-602-9161. I know it's preseason, folks, but we love getting your voices literally into the show. So if you have any thoughts, I know there are some matches coming up. Which matches are going to be streamed, Eric? Do you know?
0: Uh, I do know. I believe uh, we've had one streamed already, so we got Philly, I believe. Philly and Jacksonville, yeah.
1: Philly and the 24th,
0: Jacksonville, and the 27th are the two remaining
1: streams. I'm actually going to be at that match on the 24th in Tampa. I'm very excited. Oh, there you go. Um, email time. Oh, the one thing we didn't mention in our first segment is about Gideon Ba's history with this team. We had mentioned that he had played with Lloyd Sam, but you know the first person to get him some positive rub on the Red Bulls is Mac Kanji. Way back, Matt Kanji, uh, after going through MLS, <laughs> leaving the Red Bulls in a trade, scoring the winning goal in the 2010 MLS Cup while breaking his leg, he then goes to Finland, where he plays with a younger Gideon Ba and explains to him that the Red Bulls are a fantastic uh, club, and he should try and go and do that. He actually played with former Red Bull team Utenio, but apparently the two did not talk about the Red Bulls, but if it, before Lloyd Sam, it was it was the Kanji man, Matt Kanji, who went and uh, dropped some Red Bulls knowledge on Gideon Ba. It's a very small soccer world, folks. One last assist for Kanji, huh? Yes, for sure. I like Matt Canty. He was, he was a good player. He was fun to watch. Okay, uh, email time. Here's Britt Bird. Hey, Mark and Eric. In your memory, is this the most relaxed the fan base have been over an offseason, especially an offseason where we haven't really added any big pieces? People seem to have bought into this team is the star mentality shockingly fast. Is that what a shield gets you? I wonder if we had edged out if we had been edged out on goal differential by Dallas how we'd feel. Cheers, Britt. Uh, your thoughts? I mean, I know you've been with the club, not necessarily embedded with the hardcore fans, but um, it seems like it's been a pretty copacetic offseason.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's what winning will do, and especially when you win the Shield, it, it certainly makes a difference to uh, to help satiate the fan base after uh, what what could have been a disaster, obviously following you know the whole Petky saga. We all know how that goes. So. Uh, yes, I mean it. It did come down to goal difference, and I, I do think if uh, if the tables were turned and they were both on sixty points, but Dallas had a better goal difference, I think we would be talking about their narrative of the twenty fifteen season very differently. Uh, that being said, that's not how it played out. So uh, it bought some goodwill for uh, for the Curtis Marsh era, and you know we don't have any uh, big names coming into the club right now, uh, you know, in the traditional sense. But it doesn't seem to matter too much because when you win games and you 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 lift the shield it seems to to make everybody happy so so far it's uh, it's been pretty quiet but better quiet than uh than yelling at me so that's it's been a good
1: <laughs> then yelling at you in particular well me
0: on twitter everyone else on you know at town halls it's just a lot of a lot of shouting a lot of yelling a lot of meanness but
1: i assure you there will not be too much negative shouting or yelling uh, season tickets are reportedly up. We'll get we'll get an update tomorrow at the town hall. Um, this, the team is ma- maintains in the salary cap, and they also did win the shiny trophy. I'd be curious, though. I have to be honest with you. Maybe I'll, I'll contest that. If we had, if the Red Bulls had finished tied on points with Dallas, but didn't get the supporter shield, but got the Concacaf Champions League spot, which you get when you're the conference champion. Other than the shield, we'd be in the exact same place. So other than the shield,
0: I, I other I, than I, I don't the don't think you could yep. just throw that away.
1: Uh, fair enough, fair enough. But I think for a, for year one, I mean, it's a total alternative history, and we'll never know. We can't go backwards, obviously. But I I don't know. Maybe a regular season conference championship. I mean, if if the Red Bulls had won, let's say the Red Bulls had won that game in Chicago, and Dallas all of a sudden dropped like six goals on whoever they, I don't even remember who they were playing, exactly. and san jose and edged us literally on the last day yeah i don't mean it's it's
0: tough to say i'm just thinking given uh look i I don't think it's it's necessarily something that only our fan base would do no Uh, but having something to lift at the end of the season in terms of silverware as opposed to walking away empty-handed yes the the ccl spot is nice but at the end of the day you don't you don't get anything for that so i think the shield definitely helped buoy buoy the spirits
1: by the way, have you seen the chart that MLS has put out? The the uh, trigonometry equation for finding out how many stars you get on your jersey well, this it's year. It's a thing of beauty. Uh, <laughs> Not so much. If if you need a chart to explain what the stars on your jersey mean, I don't know. Can we get maybe little circles over our our crest? I don't shield. know. Maybe like shield circles. Maybe I'll put some stickers on mine. Okay, here's Bob G., longtime listener and four year season ticket holder. He says Gentlemen, I'm very excited for the season to start, and I'm a bit concerned that teams have now had a year to prepare for and figure out how to defend our high press. As we've seen in the Open Cup against Philly and our playoff series with D.C., all the possession in the world means nothing when teams just park the bus against us. We talked about this in our first segment. I know that Jesse has been playing around with the 4-2-2-2, but will that be enough? Is this more of a personnel issue as opposed to the formation used? Any thoughts? Thanks, Bob G. We talked about what the 4-2-2-2 Will do, and as you had mentioned, we've, we've seen it a little bit in, in each of the preseason games, and fans will be able to see it um, on the streams. I think we really, what we really need is to get a, a full blast of uh, Gonzalo Varone to see really how he can change a game. And then we'll we'll see. I'd be I'd be very curious to see to see what happens the first time a team attempts to bunker on us.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they'll if they'll immediately deploy it or, or what have you, but I, I do think it's it's a, a personnel you know change definitely has something to do with it. I think that'll make it a little more effective. Um, but the way I see it, you know. The way that the, the team's game plan for the Red Bulls, it's not as if they didn't have tape for them, say, by May or June. It was pretty much out there that this was the way the Red Bulls were going to play and they weren't going to change for anyone. So it, it wasn't a surprise by midway through the season all the way up through the end. So, yes, they, maybe they have you know the full 2015 season to look back on, uh, but it didn't seem to do too much in, in the way of stopping them last year. Um, it, it, when, if, if you're the team that wants to dictate the play, uh, I think it always works out better when you're the one, uh, you know, imposing your will on the game as opposed to, you know, having them, you know, having the game plan uh, built around you the other way. So sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I think this 4-2-2-2 uh, will help alleviate some of those concerns. Uh, when teams bunker in, when they can't manage to break down a team, uh, I think throwing on an extra striker, adding a different wrinkle, will, will make a world of difference.
1: I think the interesting, um, you know, thing to consider here is what Jesse had said about how the crew managed New York is that the crew completely changed the way they played in order to get past New York, right? That the crew just completely blew up their game plan and said, we're going to have to act completely different from the way we we act in order to make an impact. And they did and, you know, they hosted and then they wound up losing at home in Alaska. Here's Mark Nestor from Cranford, New Jersey who writes, Mark and Eric, I realize it takes someone who is a master of the dark arts to properly understand the machinations of the MLS salary cap. However, I'm hoping you can clarify a point for me. With the Red Bull signing multiple homegrown players, is there a cap hit for them? If not, is there a point where they'll count toward the cap? For instance, I believe this is Connor Lade's fifth season with the team. Is he still exempt from the cap as a homegrown, or at some point when he signed a new deal, did he then count towards the cap? My hope would be that the money saved by having multitude of homegrown players, in addition to the allocation money earned from Miazga's sale, that Red Bulls are positioned to add a significant player or two in the summer if the right player was available. Any insight you can provide, keep up the work, uh, the good work on the show. Mark from Cranford. Now, I know that we uh, we consulted the uh, Singred uh, Emeritus uh, Cap uh, MLS Rules Guru, and that's our friend Dan Dickinson on this. Eric, why don't you why don't you share with us what what was said? Well, we
0: we thank Dan for reaching out from the grave to uh to once again make <laughs> contact. So many thank if
1: you. If you have a question about MLS rules, <laughs> there is one place to go. Yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so thank you, Dan. Apparently. Uh, the, there was a rule in place um, that would give homegrown players cap relief, but not anymore, according to our friend Dan. And, and as it stands uh, currently, only the first to the 20th uh, roster spots count against the cap, uh, so those homegrowns um, you know, wouldn't count against it anyway.
1: Yes, so uh, in any case, I, I think that the larger issue or the question that Mark's getting at is, do we have the room and do we have the space to bring in a big name if there is one out there? And, you know, when I think about Gideon Ba, young player, impressive player, on his way up, talented player, national team player, and this is the type of person that this club is going to go after. I mean, are they going to sign Nigel DeJong and Ashley Cole? no. The days of signing players like Cahill and Henri and Marquez are over. They're they're not happening. The days of signing 37-year-old Italian wine-sniffing midfielders who don't run or jump is over. And they have a very specific style they want to play. And they have a very specific need. Let's remember, folks, two shields in three years the most goals scored in MLS last year, the best three-year regular season record in the league. No team has picked up more points during the season over the last three seasons of MLS than the New York Red Bulls. And so when we talk about what's missing, right, and we talk about the margin for error, and we talk about getting to the final goal, which is getting over that hump and getting an MLS Cup and then winning it. I mean, did anyone in uh, September had the Portland Timbers down as MLS Cup champions? No, I assure you, no. And we talked about it on the show before when, when the Red Bulls went to Portland and n- kicked them in the face 2 nothing on some terrific goals by Parnell and by Felipe. I don't think anybody thought that the Portland Timbers were even going to make the playoffs, much less win and that type of uncertainty and anything goesness around the MLS playoffs is maddening for a club that's never been able to win. But for the regular season, we almost can't do better than what we've done. I guess three straight shields would have been better. So the notion that, you know, someone from the great clubs of Europe are going to come and usurp our golden boot winner, who scored the most two-year goals, two seasons worth of goals in, in league history. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I've, um, you know, I've moved on from this type of a strategy. I really have. The team plays att- attractive, attacking soccer. They press the hell out of their opponents, and they usually win. Um, and I you know if if this center back is what we uh, are all hoping that he's going to be it could be a very very good year. Eric you want to add to that?
0: Yeah, I I mean I think you you hit the nail on the head there in terms of getting so close uh you know to MLS Cup uh you know obviously it's going to leave some frustrations and a bad taste in people's mouths when they look at what could have been uh, but I don't think that's grounds for you know blowing something up and and trying the uh you know the big money DP strategy. I I think we've seen that the, the two don't necessarily correlate to success. Uh, you know, if, if you're the Chicago Fire or the Colorado Rapids and you want to like blow it up and start something new, by all means. Uh, but when you're the New York Red Bulls and you've constantly been atop the East or thereabout, uh, I don't see any reason why you would need to have a change in philosophy. I think what they're doing is working. Uh, they just need to find a tweak here or there uh, to get them over the hump. I mean, it, it's a question of maybe a tactical change in the second leg of the Eastern Conference Finals and they're in you know, MLS Cup. It's, I don't think it's necessarily a huge personnel change that'll, that needs to be done. So I I don't, see the, I don't see them going after a big name, but at the same token, I don't see a need for it either.
1: Yeah, or, or it's not taking 15 seconds off during game one, leg one in Columbus, right? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, and that's what's so maddening when, when the game of mistakes rears its ugly head. Okay, thank you, Mark. Nevertheless, your recall. Matt Izzo, Section 201, represent. Gentlemen, for me, the big question of the preseason is how, do the team, how does the team accommodate Gonzalo Verone. They seem they seem to like him at left midfield and striker, but is he versatile, versatile enough to play in any of the attacking positions? Down the road, will there be a squad rotation, uh, but Jesse will make a statement with his first lineup. Will Gonzalo be a starter on March 6th? And if so, whose minutes does he take? Matt Izzo, that's Metro's 96 on the Twitter. And I'm going to combine that with our last email. That's from... RBNYCT, that means Connecticut, on Twitter. Mark and Eric, long-time listener, but first time emailing the show. Thank you. I've been watching a lot of the preseason videos. I've enjoyed seeing glimpses of Gonzalo Varone. How well is he adapting to the team and playing style? There haven't been any interviews with him, and I'm ecstatic to see him play this year. Lastly, where do you imagine he lines up in the starting line? This is the same question as Matt asked. Right wing, left wing, center forward, and etc. And what type of production do you see the team getting from him? I'm hoping, hoping he can be a 10-goal and ten assist man. Thanks for all the work you do, and uh, you do to put together the show each week. That's Red Bulls, Connecticut. So we talked a little bit about Veron uh, earlier in the show. I'm just kind of curious as we're talking about the four-two-two-two or even a four-two-three-one. Is this does this mean that um, that needs to have his minutes significantly decreased based on what you've seen?
0: Well, just based on uh, on talking with Jesse, I think we'll see. More of a squad rotation throughout the year uh, as opposed to last year when you could you know basically write it in stone in terms of the starting eleven because it, it rarely ever changed bar an injury or an international call up uh especially with that front six that was just you know very consistent uh, i I think uh, you might you might see maybe Lloyd Sam getting a rest one day or or Mike Grella and you know Verone getting a start. I do think his versatility uh is a, definitely a plus he can play up top he can play out wide. So you can see him being deployed in lots of different scenarios. Uh, Forget the fact that he's a DP. I think he's going to warrant inclusion just by the fact that he's a very talented player and he's been showing very well in preseason so far. Uh, So I I think once fans get their first glimpse of him, uh, they'll be impressed too. I'm not sure, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists is a pretty lofty goal. Um, Mm -hmm. But if he gets consistent minutes, it's not out of their own possibility.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think given the legs, I mean, we know, uh, Lloyd is, uh, is past 30 now, and he might be ripe for having a little bit of a rest here and there. Um, we, we obviously are hoping that all the players remain healthy, but there's no guarantee that all of the players every week will be ready to go. And so building that depth is so, super important, and to make sure that you can have game changers, uh, all the time, really, really important. So, um, all great questions. I think uh, hopefully we're due to, due to see a real breakout season from Gonzalo Verón. So uh, that's uh, that's it. We've come to the end of another episode of Seeing Red. Our two hundred and forty third. That two hundred and fifty is looming closer. I think we're going to have to do something extra special for that one. If you have ideas about what you'd like to see for Seeing Red two fifty. Uh, drop us a line at seeingredny at gmail or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Did you know we're on the Facebook and Twitter? Just search for Seeing Red NY on either of those platforms and tell us what are the kinds of things you want to see from our 250th show, which uh, is coming up. Frankly, in, in a couple of months, we hope to bring you Seeing Red. Uh, maybe not every week, but as we get closer, There's only four weeks. Until first kick, less than four weeks now. And, of course, once the season starts, we will be with you every week during the season, bringing you impactful interviews, news, and fan interaction all about the New York Red Bull. So we want to thank you so much for listening to us, whether you're listening on iTunes or Twitter or the New York Red Bull streaming station on TuneIn or BackHill.com, SeeingRedNY.com. For Eric Giacometti and Chris Duval I'm Mark Fishkin saying thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back to you soon. Have a good day, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening to
0: Seeing Red. Since 2010, your New York Red Bulls podcast. Find us at New York Red Bulls Radio at tune in. Backheel.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and seeingredny.com.